This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. You want to throw that first slide up of the series for us? We can just look. This is what we're kicking off here. Am I enough? And there's a polarity here, right? I mean, you can't say I am always enough and have that really be a spiritually healthy way. But there's another side of it is, am I enough? No, I'm not enough. And there's healthy thoughts around that and there's unhealthy thoughts around that. And then we're going to look at the end about uh, what really helps us work through that and get more connected with God. So today I want to start off with, am I enough? Yes. Are you enough? Yes, absolutely enough, and more than enough, really. Not, not more in a negative way, but more in a positive way. You don't know how sufficient and beautiful you are. I think that that's something we often struggle with. Now, just to start off with a little silly example, my darling daughter, who happens to be a law student, is traveling back from South Dakota in our 21-year-old Volvo, guess what happens on Route 80 in western Pennsylvania? Well, the Volvo blows up, of course. It's got about a billion miles on it, so who would have expected it to survive, right? And right away, my wife and I are thinking, hmm, why didn't we get her a good car? Why didn't we get her the right car? Why don't we just get in a car and drive out there where she's stranded on the highway 350 miles away so that we can be with her while she waits for the tow truck, realizing it's probably not going to take seven and a half hours for the tow truck to get there. But, you know, suddenly we have all these feelings of what? Not being enough. So let's just start off here where you take a moment with yourselves Share what was something that came up in your life that generated the feeling, hey, I'm not enough, and what what happened with that? And feel free to text me as we're talking about it. So did anybody have trouble finding material to think about? No? (laughs) The texts are starting to roll in here. Um... College tuitionness, yeah, man. Tell me about it. Was that from my wife? N- no. <laughs> uh, my own education. I see coworkers' dad passed away, and I didn't know what to say. Um, hearing Will sing and realize that I can't sing. <laughs> By the way, that was Chuck. Oops. <laughs> Oh man, um, starting a new job, my, my spouse reminded me that I bring a lot of varied experience to the table, uh, feeling nervous about start, starting that job anyway. My girlfriend has a great career, am I enough for her? Boy, uh, has any of you not felt some of these things? You know, it's like, did, did I write all of these texts? Um, Somebody just, ah, how about that? Oh, yes, uh, struggling with divorce and parenting, money, etc. cetera. Uh, the, these are things. How about that next slide where I throw up a couple of my own reasons for not being enough? And uh, there are things that come up. They just well up. And I, I, unfortunately, I have this secret that's not so secret 
to share with you that it's basically a truth of being a human being, that these feelings will not suddenly go away, that there isn't like a church you can join that will erase these feelings from coming into your life, that nobody has that ability to have that kind of impact on you, that you'll experience these feelings now, you'll experience them in 20 years, you'll experience them years and years from now. I, when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, I met up with a colleague of mine who's, he's getting on toward 80 now, and we're hiking up to a place, we're in uh, Wyoming, hiking at about 7,000 feet, going up this really steep mountainside, and he makes it to the top. And I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing, right? That's incredible that somebody who's almost 80 can hike up. It was about a 700-foot hike, just basically as straight, straight up as you can without ropes. Like, he made it. And he's thinking... Dang, I wish I was first. You know, it wasn't long ago that I was just first and I could race up these hills. I can't anymore. Well, yeah, isn't that one of those feelings? After so many years, and he's actually uh, uh, also a pastor, you would think, oh, he's got it nailed. He shouldn't be having those feelings anymore, right? Unfortunately, wrong. They still come. They're going to be there. However, there's a way to deal with those things, and as we learn to deal with them, then incredibly beautiful things can happen in our personal lives. And part of it is just simply, I I think it's more beautiful, to put it this way, it's actually more beautiful that these kinds of negative feelings exist in our lives and that we deal with them so that we are coming from a place knowing that that is a reality and a context in our world today, in our lives today, and yet we are able to open up and let that beauty flow in. That, to me, is more human than some other, like, reprogramming or some other kind of take that would somehow erase that experience from our lives, and then we kind of exist in this hallelujah Tinkerbell kind of plane of life with, with no negative energy ever coming in and touching us. Well, that's just, that's not even reality. And the fact is, we are going to experience deep grief while we're living on this world. And that's going to generate some of these feelings of not being enough. We are going to look at ourselves in the mirror and saying, hey, you know, I'm just not thin enough or I'm not in shape enough, or I'm not, you know, smart enough, or, you know, you can fill in the blank yourself, but these things are going to happen in our lives. Those feelings, they come in, and it's really, it's not that we are somehow flawed or imperfect. That is just a part of the world we live in and the consciousness that we are gifted with as human beings, that these feelings are going to be coming in and going to be affecting us. So I want to give an analogy about why that's the case. And I think of, uh, and I hate talking about cancer because it's such a difficult disease, but when a person is diagnosed with cancer, there is nothing that they could say that they had done to deserve that cancer. It's not the result of some kind of evil in their hearts or something like that. 
Cancer is just something that happens to people. Yes, there are external factors. We can limit those external factors to some degree, but we cannot live a life that prevents, that protects, that guarantees that we will never have cancer. In fact, a neighbor of mine who was a physician who eventually died of cancer said to me, if you live long enough, you're going to die of cancer. That's just what's going to happen. So think about that for just a minute. And I think about cancer as being, it's a cell growth in in the body, right? And if those cells were to have a consciousness, it would be like those cells were saying, this life is all about us. We live in this body, and this body is all about us. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to take all that we can, and we're going to grow. And we think we should grow more than everybody else. Like, it's all about us. And by the way, we are never enough. We never have enough. We are never good enough. We are never big enough. We are never, never, ever enough. It's like this this little false story that runs in our mind. And ultimately, that cancer grows to the detriment of the body, and it doesn't care. And it grows to the point of what happens at the end. Does it, does it win? Well, no. Everything shuts down and dies in the end. The cancer itself ceases to exist because it's, it's operating, if it were conscious, on a false assumption. And it just doesn't work. You can compare that with the cells in the heart that kind of say to themselves, hey, you know why we're here? We're here because we need to circulate blood throughout the body. Or the liver. Hey, you know why we're here? We need to do uh, work with cleansing the, the blood and, and whatever else the liver does. You have to ask somebody who's a liver doctor, I guess. And the brain cells and the, the arm cells and the circulation, the skin, etc., etc., etc. It's all there for the benefit of the whole self. And so it operates differently. And you don't have one cell, unless it's a cancer cell, trying to grow as much as it can in order to take over the body. So that, to me defines the kind of feelings that are associated with never being enough, never being good enough, never having enough, never, you know, never, never ultimately attaining a level where a person is feeling balanced and healthy. So the band is going to come out. We're going to have a little, uh, our bucket song here. And as they come out, I just want to think, I'd invite you to think about those times in your life where you struggle with insufficiency in a negative way and how that might be something that's connected in with some sort of unhealthy um, unhealthy feelings that are actually coming in from somewhere else. They, really, they might feel like you, but well, really they're not who you are. Well, no one is perfect, and the reality is we could have taken this song and we could have put it into MIDI. Do you know what MIDI is? It's a, it's a computer program where you can program each note so it plays the exact pitch that you want, and it's going to play for the exact length of time. So you put it all into MIDI, and then you play it back, and you wouldn't be able to listen to it. It just sounds awful 
when it's perfect. What does that say about our lives, huh? What does it say? And, and also, let's, let's tune into what God says about trying to be perfection, because, to be perfect, because nobody said perfection matters to God. He didn't say that either. And if you read, it's interesting, because it's a little bit of a, um, a misleading thing. If you read through the Bible, you're going to see plenty of places where perfection is, is referred to, and it kind of sounds like, hey, God wants me to be perfect. Hmm. Well, if you look at it, that's not the actual correct ancient text. The text in the, uh, in the Hebrew is much more of a reference to wholeness rather than perfection. He wants us to be whole as human beings. He wants to be a, us basically all there in terms of who we are, emotionally all there, intellectually all there, present for other people, listening, responding. That's what human beings do. They don't try to be perfect. They try to be whole. And wholeness is a much better way of thinking about things. Does God say he is perfect? Well, yes, he does. If you talk about infinite love, infinite, perfect, all-encompassing love, that is a force like the sun shining in from the spiritual world, coming in and, and uh, interacting with, stimulating our lives. But that's very different from the way we think about human beings, and it's not healthy to think of yourselves in the context of perfection, and it's not a good idea to try to be perfect. So let's throw up that next slide there. I think of the Sermon on the Mount, which has a lot of great advice around perfection and what we really are supposed to be. And there's this one piece here coming from that, which says, here God is saying, consider the lilies of the field. Those lilies that are growing up, nobody planted them. They're just out there. You find them and look at them. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even in that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like even one of these. Seems so random, and yet it's so beautiful. It's so perfectly created. And God, when he's looking at you, is saying, you are amazing. You are somebody who is unique and amazing, and you have incredibly valuable gifts to offer to this world and he's saying, I want you in heaven. So we have this passage from the theology of the new church where uh, Swedenborg is saying, everybody, everybody ever created was predestined to heaven. That God navigates your path of life into the world so that you can become a blessing in heaven for others. Every single human being is predestined to heaven. Now what does that say then again about God? He's saying, you are really important. You are really beautiful. You have something wonderfully unique and valuable to offer to humanity, not just today and tomorrow, not just in the context of your lives on earth, but go way out for eternity 
living as an angel in heaven. You have something really, really special to offer. Does that say perfection? No. Does it say wholeness? Yes. Interestingly, the only context in our theology that refers to perfection in a way that's connected to a human being is this. It's that God is saying that the, that, that heaven becomes more perfect with the addition of more variety. As more people with more variety come into that, that heavenly life, the people join together as a growing community that becomes more and more perfect because there's more variety, there's more differentiation, there's more difference, there's more uh, varying approaches to life and varying responses to different situations. There's a different kind of blessing. And so layer upon layer upon layer, every single person that comes into that life is adding something uniquely beautiful and valuable to the whole, and it becomes more more perfect. That, to me, is a really wonderful way of looking at life. As a pastor, I have um, often you know, been in situations where somebody who's elderly passes away, and some of those times there's sickness and trauma involved, and lots of times... There's just really very little trauma at all. The person was essentially just done with this life on earth and they, they as it were, fly away and they, they begin life on the other side. And the imagery that I've had develop in my mind over the years as a pastor is that the angels greet people coming in on the other side and they look at them and they say, hey, welcome. You know, We've been looking for somebody just like you because we have certain needs that are going on in this spiritual life that only you can address. That you are uniquely created and you have all these unique experiences that you had on earth and this, this different way of responding to life that is the perfect fit for the needs that we have on this side. And also being a pastor, I believe, you know, there's no disconnection ultimately that there is a sense of connection and value in life on earth because of that person transitioning from that, from this one world with its own challenges into being able to see things, address things and love in a different way because they are in this, this higher, more spiritual plane of life. And that's a transition. We go from one to the next, but it's not about being enough. It's not about ever being perfect. And yet we're constantly kind of um, running up against those, those different feelings. And so <clears throat> the point of this is uh, your imperfect self is so important. A and to be human then it's about learning to articulate who we are as individuals from that perspective that we gain and that we learn because we are insufficient. That that helps create in us attitudes and perspectives and a way of talking about things, a way of seeing life, a way of sharing with others 
that is completely unique because of our own path and our makeup and, and what we've experienced in our, in, in our past. And that is something that is so valuable for not only communities on earth, but it's a valuable asset that we take with us as we join into this world that we call heavenly life. I've got um, a slide here of the Ten Blessings. And here again, this is right at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And I keep thinking, well, what if, you know, these were the Ten Blessings of David Lindruth? Like, I was going to write the Ten Blessings, and I was going to make up the answers. And I would think, all right, well, blessed are those who are financially self-sufficient. Blessed are those who have attained all their career goals. Blessed are those who retire happily and who pay off their college tuition successfully and don't make their kids take out any loans. Uh, By the way, I'm way below this bar. Blessed are you who are fit and can climb that mountain without ever getting out of shape. Blessed are you who can bicycle millions of miles a day. Blessed are you who eat perfectly organic food all the time, etc., etc., etc. I can come up with lots of blessings, none of which are actually very significant and interesting. So the Sermon on the Mount, you have God's set of ten blessings, and yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Yes, you are going to have grief in your life, as I'd referred to earlier. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the wimpy, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the thirsty, blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted. Interestingly, none of these blessings have anything to do with being enough. None of these blessings have anything to do with being perfect. In fact, they point out your flaws, and there's a reason for that. Because if we are focused on being perfect, we wind up being focused on really being natural, physical, external people, and we miss the stuff that's going on in that higher plane up above. And these blessings are a way of reminding us that real life is about the deeper stuff. Real life is about elevating yourself above those wants and those needs and those feelings that direct our attention downward that ultimately have no blessing in them even though they say to us, the message is, if you do this, you will be happy. If you do this, you will be happy. Even though when we do that, that, we are not happy. It just leads us down this garden path of externalism When we raise ourselves above that and get in touch with the fact that we are insufficient, we are needy, we are operating from a place of want, and yet within that place of want is a space of incredible blessing, incredible depth, and a way of communicating and connecting with others that you simply cannot manufacture if you're totally focused down here. So God is saying, and this is the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount, which is about three chapters of Matthew, that when you bump yourself up into this level, then you find a kind of happiness that you cannot experience otherwise. 
So yes, those voices down here will occur. You will hear them throughout your entire earthly life. They will always be there. They will always be pestering you. If you bump yourself above them, something magical happens. So let's continue with our clip that we have from the summer movie Seabiscuit. You know, everybody thinks we found this broken down horse and fixed him. But we didn't. He fixed us. Every one of us. And I guess in a way, we kind of fixed each other too. It's a sweet movie, and the beauty of that clip that it draws out is the, it wasn't about this fantastic horse. That wasn't the real point. Yes, the, the horse was athletic and did amazing things. The jockey was athletic and did amazing things, but it was about a synergy that happened. The people were coming together, and all of the the different parts of of that scenario with with the horse that was kind of lost and, and not recognized for what it was to becoming a real performer, everybody coming together and kind of healing each other, everybody working together in a different way, that's what created that beauty. And what I wanted to say about that clip was really two things. First, there's, and this is drawing out of, again, the theology for the new church, that happiness starts to happen in our lives when we check those external feelings, the feelings that, that lead us toward materialism, that, that lead us toward the false thought that merely external things are going to satisfy us and give us, give us happiness. To the degree that we check those at the door, immediately there's a spiritual kind of happiness that starts flowing in. It's like a flower opening toward the sun. We are suddenly able to receive the rays of God's love in a way that we aren't normally conscious of. That that suddenly and automatically starts to open. It's not that those feelings don't exist. It's not that those feelings are going to cease to exist. It's just you learn to check them at the door and something beautiful starts to happen. And part of that is recognizing that that love is for the purpose of making others happy. And it's again going back to the physical uh, example that I've used earlier. There are cells in the body that really, their reason for existence is for the rest of the body. We as human beings need to learn to exist in the same way. And as we accomplish that, checking those feelings at the door, incredibly beautiful and powerful things happen. 
So again, thinking a little bit springing out of the Seabiscuit model, my belief, and this is maybe only my theology here, but my belief is that as we learn to operate as a center of happiness for others, that we can picture ourselves, and this is actually reflected a little bit in Swedenborg's theology. We have a slide we can throw up here. But as we learn to operate as a center, bringing happiness to others, that we exist for the purpose of making others happy, of reaching out and sharing our blessings with others, and that is our reason for existence, and that is what we do. And we live with other people that are trying to do the same. And we form a church, because this is what happens in heaven, that we form a church where everybody in that church is trying to figure out how can I serve and live and operate as a blessing for others. And I'm just going to live in, uh, in an effort to try to bring that blessing and happiness and bring that out so it's going out. Everybody's going out like that. Everybody's going out like that. And the whole community in itself is also working to bless each other or each center of, as, and each individual within the community. But as a whole, there's this incredible light that goes out from the organization. And what I would say to you, and this is my theory, when you get even small groups of people that are committed to living as centers of blessing in this way, and you gather together and you interact with each other, and that light is going out into our broken, broken world, that even as small groups do that, incredible things happen. Just imagine for a moment, New Church Live doing that, where everybody is committed to operate as centers of blessing, and that light goes out. The Delaware Valley starts to change. Our world, as we know it, begins to grow and shift and change, especially with the modern way of communicating that we have with social media and things. Our world does change and shift, and it becomes better. And that is a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful message of hope that I think actually comes from God, but it's a chance to recognize and see the possibility that small communities have to impact our greater world. So really, we talk about New Church Live being a Monday morning church. But as that Monday morning church, you are invited in to help be a part of that blessing. And we have no idea how that blessing is going to be the change. We just know it is going to make the world a better place. And we want you to be a part of that. So that's our message for today, and I'd like to invite you, my microphone is falling off here, while it falls off, I'm going to invite you to turn your mind to the Lord. Let's close with a prayer, and we'll have a moment of silent prayer. You have the opportunity to pray for those whom you love that need some extra support today. You could say the Lord's Prayer, you can pray any prayer to, to God that you wish. So, Lord God, we turn to you today, asking that we may be unlocked from those worldly cares that can be so dominant in our external lives, that can draw our focus away from true love. 
Help us put those aside so that we can become more tuned in and focused on the eternal, unending love and that message of love that you bring the world. We remember, Lord, that you created each of us to be a blessing, each of us to be an angel in heaven, that you love every human being that you created so that you could offer them your life to eternity. Let us gather together as a group, Lord, and operate as a center of blessing. Help us bring a new kind of eternal happiness into the world. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.